Okay, welcome back, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Fan and the Fanatic. Um, so it is Happy Chinese New Year, Matt. You know. Oh yeah, Kung Hee Fa Choi to all our fa fans out there. You're well. You're actually Chinese. I'm not Chinese, but still, hey, yeah. you're. It's our year, though. It's my year of the tiger. It's our officially year. today. Year of the tiger. So. All you 98 and whatever multiple of 12s from 98 is out there. Hey, let's get after it. That's all I'm going to say. So today we are going to recap basically the championship games from this weekend in the NFL. And uh, the big, probably the big news out of today is Tom Brady officially announced his retirement on his Instagram. He came out and said it himself. Uh, we'll get into some other football stuff, probably touch on some UH basketball later. Um, but yeah, without further ado, you know what? Let's just get right into it. So game number one of the weekend, Bengals Chiefs. Uh, Bengals end up winning 27 to 24 in OT. So another crazy game in these playoffs going to um, overtime. Uh, it was a great game. You know, Joe Shiesty came out firing in the second half. Pat Mahomes kind of shrunk. It's kind of what the narrative of the this game was. Um, I don't know, Matt. It just seemed like all year when the Chiefs, they like they just had not been the Chiefs of old for whatever reason. I know they showed up against Buffalo uh, the previous week, you know, um, but it's just it's like something wasn't quite clicking like for Patty this year. It like he he would have his stretches where he just he looked uncomfortable because um, I like truly I place. I mean, not to go because I love Andy Reid, too, but, you know, like. It's another one of these Andy Andy Reid type of kind of games and moments where he's right there again for the taking and it slips away from him. Um, but I got to put a lot of the blame on, on my boy Patty because, uh, I mean, they had the huge lead going into the half. Um, and we'll get into more of the, the game details later, but. Uh, I mean, obviously, Joe Burrow played a hell of a second half, too. So, I mean, you got to give him credit for keeping his composure. Um, it seems like he's never really phased at all during the game. And that's kind of that scary, like, Brady-esque approach almost. It's But but with Tom, it's like Tom gets mad, you know? Like, you can tell he's, like, mad, and then he gets locked into this, like, it's He's psycho that, Tom this way. It's it, yeah, it's like psycho Tom, but it's like that MJ. It's like you know what I mean. Like when MJ and Tom get into this like, like alpha like mode, it's like no, we're gonna get this done. Like, and we're gonna do it. It's like it's like an aggressive thing. But when I see when I see just like Joe Burrow on the sidelines, even when he's down a lot, it's like a cool, it's like a cool composure. It's not that fiery rage that's gonna like fuel you necessarily but it's kind of more of this it seems like more of a calming presence you know on the sideline that 
Um, I, I mean, there's more than one way to like lead and inspire a team, right? So um, Joe Burrow just does it his way with the Cartier glasses, man. And uh, yeah, so I, I, I just thought that the two big takeaways, at least for me, was, yeah, uh, Patty kind of shrunk in the, in the big moments. And, you know, I think Andy Reid's uh, kind of play calling in certain situations gave the Bengals the chance to come back. So, I mean, yeah, it's kind of, we'll start with the, the Andy Reid's play calling. I think his first real, what, his blunder was probably the one that costed them the game. The second. And that was the, the half. The last play before the first half, yep. right? <clears throat> I mean, I know he's, you know, Mr. Andy Reid, I can do everything, right? You know, I'm unstoppable. I'm this big offensive-minded coach. I have arguably the best quarterback, the best tight end, and the most cheat, <laughs> you know, weapon on offense in Tyreek Hill. But, you know, at that time, you're up, what, 21 to 3, and you have a free three points. At that point, I would just take it, right? The Bengals are showing you no signs of they're not showing any signs of life at that point on offense, right? So, oh no, excuse me, it was twenty-one to ten. But so at that point, you just needed to get get points, you know, go into the half with the momentum. And as, I think as soon as they didn't score, I was like, "Oh, here we go!" Like you know, this is the comeback. Like it's starting now. And obviously, I was right at that point. Yeah, but I mean, I don't know. Like I think. I actually wouldn't say it's all Andy Reid's fault there. I would actually say it's kind of split between three guys. So obviously Andy, you know, the play calling. I think Patrick definitely deserves some blame thought, on that. I thought for sure that play was because a lot I mean, on on right on Mahomes there. Yeah. At that point, you got five seconds, you know, it has to be perfect, perfectly executed. And you have to know that you're going to score to even run that play. So I thought he was either just going to throw it out of bounds or just kill it, like throw it in the spike it. But he's, you know, obviously he throws it to Tyreek Hill. And I actually give him, you know, a little bit of the blame as well because he kind of like caught it, but then he stopped and then he kind of like cut in. Like he tried to make a cut back into the end zone. But I was thinking, okay, he catches the ball. He would just try to race him to the pie line and, you know, hopefully get out of bounds or score that way. Yeah, it's it it looked like almost he was kind of surprised too at the same time, like that the like he was gonna get the ball. It's like, oh, like now I gotta go make a play. It, it yeah, so that's why like I don't know if like it seemed almost like he was not the first option on that play. Like it looked like it was an RPO all the way, or maybe just a play action all the way, but he was you but know, it was a play action. Open. Yeah, so he was looking that over takes the middle. at least a, like what one to two seconds, right, for Mahomes yeah. to fake that read and then throw yeah. it. So, so at that point, it's got to be a quick decision. As soon as they snap it, throw yeah. it. Yeah, so it just just was like poor execution there, and then they come back, opening drive of the second half with the ball, and they do nothing. Right, I, I'm pretty sure they they got nothing out of that drive, and that's kind of when, uh, yeah, they got. Cincinnati got going a little bit. Um, you know, it was – I'll just, you know, I kind of want to – I'll just skip ahead. So, yeah, so Cincinnati has a great third quarter. Kansas City is 
is flat pretty much the whole third quarter. They kind of really didn't have anything going. Um, but, you know, they still had the chance again. So, right, that last drive of the game, uh, it was kind of eerily similar to uh, the Buffalo game where they, you know, have a chance, last drive of the game, uh, touchdown wins it, right? Oh, you're talking so, overtime already. Oh, 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 no, no, no. I'm talking about the fourth quarter. Oh, okay, uh, okay. For, for Kansas City, yeah, okay. yeah. Cause, so, because they okay. had the ball, right? They had the ball on the last drive. Yeah. Um, with a chance to score. And mm-hmm. so I just thought, because uh, they were moving the ball um, down the, like, kind of down the field there. Um, it was kind of like that gr- slow, grinded out kind of time, con- almost like a perfect drive to end the game actually because you know like like we've seen like with these high-powered offenses they don't need a ton of time with all the weapons that each side has really right so it's like we always say like oh they scored too fast oh they scored too fast you gave whoever it is on the other side a chance with the ball right but in this case they were like it was this slow, methodical drive because they got the ball back with six minutes to go and they held it until the end of the game. So yeah. Joe Burrow would have never, um, you know, had they scored a touchdown there when they got down, um, Joe Burrow doesn't even have a chance to to touch the ball in regulation there. But I just wanted to go back to um, to that last drive because, you know, it's like, like I said, it was it was that slow grind. You know, they're they're grinding out the clock. They're grinding out the clock. And then they get in, you know, first and goal at the Cincinnati five-yard line with a minute and a half left, right? And so, you know, he runs – they run one time, and Cincinnati calls their final timeout, right? So here's where I go to the Andy Reid, like, stuff again. Because, like, yeah, you know, okay, they have no timeouts – you score a touchdown, you go ahead by four. They need a touchdown to win, right? Okay, that makes sense. You don't want to score. I mean, I guess you you have your your pick of the litter already, right, of how you want to score. You're inside the five-yard line. Um, but this is where I think it, it was just that, I don't want to say the ego or it's that, like you were saying earlier, I'm Andy Reid. I can call whatever play I want. Uh, but like we've seen in – one of Tom's Super Bowls, right? Just run the ball. Uh, Cincinnati has no timeouts at that point, so they can't stop the clock. So my thing is, it's only second down. You run the ball. Okay, you score. Great. Honestly, they were probably thinking uh, if they ran the ball, it's almost like let them score. You know, it's it, it would be one of those one of those situations yeah. like you kind of coach the defense. Hey, like kind of let them in so that at least we have some time on the clock, right? Um, but no, instead, so, you know, they drop back to pass and I guess to Pat's credit there, right. He, you know, realizes the situation that a sack is kind of, I guess, better in that scenario because it keeps the clock running at at the very least. Um, so maybe, maybe that's what kind of got dialed in from Andy Reid. Like, Hey, you know, if it's not there. We want, we just want the clock to keep running. We don't want to give them the ball back. But at, I mean, at the same time, an incompletion 
you're still inside the five yard line, right? Um, and so obviously the third down could have basically ended the game, right? It, it's kind of the same exact scenario. That's all on Pat, pass. though. You can't do that. Oh, no, you can't. Yeah. Uh, just kind of doing too much, trying to do too much in that situation, uh, trying to make the hero play because he's Mr. $500 million, right? Ball pops mm-hmm. out. It takes the lucky hop and, you know, doesn't bounce into a Cincinnati defender's hand. Um, and then, you know, they kick the ball, go into overtime. And it just seemed like at that point, even though Kansas City got the ball back, uh, Cincinnati's defense had been playing well that entire second half. So I really thought, like, they could hold them to three because their red zone defense um, was, I mean, after the first half, just their defense in general shored up. Um, I don't know what adjustments they made, really. Um, but, yeah, the – and then after, you know, Mahomes throws the pick – uh, in overtime, and it's kind of like, well, the the bounce the bounce kind of went Cincinnati's way that time, right? It's almost like the football god said, "Okay, you don't get the fumble, but here's the pick." <laughs> um, I will say on the pass before Mahomes got picked, it should have been picked on down to oh, yeah. Eli Apple drop. Yeah, that was yeah. literally right in his hands. Yeah, so I guess the ball didn't lie at the end. Um, the football gods are real, man. Yep, yep. And then, you know, Kansas City's defense is gassed, so they just kind of run it out. And, I mean, McPherson is a stud, by the way. <laughs> Evan McPherson is a stud. That dude, there's some good kicking in the AFC North. Huh? Like, I just got to oh, yeah. I gotta say, those. there's some pretty good kickers. I mean, two out of the three best kickers. Yeah. I would and, say. I mean, Boswell's not bad. I, I guess the Browns guy, I don't really – I don't even know. Is it Parkey? Is, is it still him? I don't even know. Um, anyway, know but, like, Browns. I mean, you know, like, Tucker, Tucker, now McPherson, and, you know, Boswell's, like, a seasoned vet. I mean, they got some good kickers up there. But, yeah, you just knew that uh, once they got into range, like, he he's just riding this hot streak kicking, right? And that's all it is. It's, like, such a big confidence thing. So, um they put off the upset, and uh, yeah, Cincinnati. Who would have thought Cincinnati was going on to the Super Bowl? You know, at the beginning of the year, Not they me. had the same odds as Jacksonville to win the Super Bowl. Like, that's just an incredible testament, I think, to Zach Taylor, to the front office, you know, Joe Burrow, and, you know, the team that they built around um, this offense, really, but because uh, it seems like they built their offense through the draft and, you know, picked up all their best defensive players in free agency. Um, and I just think it was a hell of a job by that front office because, um, I mean, the line still isn't great. We'll, I kind of want to – we'll touch on that later when we talk about our Super Bowl stuff next week. Um, but, you know, Joe Burrow's like, I guess what we've seen from even Tom, right, like, a good quarterback that can, you know, decipher the the play before, like pre-snap, um, can really aid an offensive, like a average to below average offensive line with like kind of just using your brain almost. So uh, I don't know, good for the Bengals, man. I mean, just good to see the Chiefs get knocked off their horse a little bit because um, obviously they're so talented too. But um, 
Yeah, good good for Joey B, man. Joe Burr. I do want to point out that I don't know if you caught it in the broadcast, but Tony Romo was like, you know, everybody knows Jamar Chase is he's the alpha receiver he's the alpha, now on yeah. that team, right? So then Romo was saying, oh, they need that second guy to step up. Kind of like what um, the Bills, right? Just Stefan Diggs. He's the man. They, everybody knows that. And but Gabe Gabriel Davis, Davis right, had yep. the game. And, you know, it wasn't a maybe Gabe Davis type of performance, but T. Higgins was the one T. that Higgins, made, the, man, he made a lot he of made big some catches. Big catches. I mean, so I think that's how you got to beat the Chiefs, right? You need that, you know, secondary player to just step up. Yeah. And I think that's what they got with Higgins. And then also, my guy, I love this running back, Joe Mixon. Yeah, Joe when Mixon. They, when they run through him, good things happen. That's what, and yeah, that's what it was perfect on that, on that last drive mm-hmm. when they, um, they were gassed. Kicked the game yeah. Yeah. And Zach Taylor, he, he rode Mixon. I mean, mm-hmm. he was gashing him. And it was, it was nice to see, you know, my fantasy running back yeah. <laughs> uh, come through. Cause I think that, that, I mean, we can talk about this in the Super Bowl pick as well, but that's how they're going to have to beat the Rams. It's through Joe Mixon, not Joe Burrow. So shout out to G- the other Joe because, you the know. two Joes, baby. Joe, Joe Shiesty gets all the shine, but we got to give love to, yeah. to Mixon. Joe squared, man. That's a hell of a... Joe squared. That's a hell of a, a duel right there. Um, the only duel that's better is Matt squared, Yeah. <laughs> Oh God! All right. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, but I mean, those are my takeaways. I I think Cincinnati's not. I I mean, I think the Rams are going to be favored, or actually, they are favored. In the they Super are Bowl. favored. Um, yeah, I'm not surprised there, but I think it. You know, kind of like odd. It's just odd to see these two teams. Like, like you you say it in your head, like Bengals Rams are in the Super Bowl. It's like it doesn't sound right, but I mean, I think it's going to be a good one um so we'll we'll have to see but let's get into that second game uh are you, you're good on this first game right like i am good. everything yeah i think i covered everything i wanted to say all right well yeah anyway getting into this the second game so uh nfc championship between two bitter division rivals uh the san francisco 49ers went into la to play the los angeles rams and you know, kind of what I expected. I don't know if we talked about this when we previewed it, but, um, you know, these teams know each other so well. It's always close. It, it was going to come down to one or two plays or, I guess, misplays in this scenario. Um, but I like the Rams going in. Uh, I think both of my predictions covered not the winners, but the because Cincinnati covered and then the Niners covered as well. So I think we got those right there, just w- w- knowing it was going to be two close games um, on both sides. But uh, I mean, so I, as I was watching this one, it's it was the almost like the nerves at first uh, were getting to to Stafford. It seemed like in that first half a little bit. Um, I mean they. You know, it was it was kind of a defensive battle, right? After they they kind of score on that one drive, and then you know they San Francisco comes right back uh, with Debo, who's 
an absolute stud, by the way. That dude is going to be a weapon for a long, long time with what he can do with the ball in his hands. Um, But, yeah. Oh, so I'm sorry. Yeah, because the – oh, yeah, the Rams didn't – no one scored in the first quarter. So, yeah, so it was like – I was watching this game. I was like, oh, my God, it's so like, – it's going to be such a defensive uh, battle throughout this one. Um, I think the pick – didn't the pick come in the first quarter as well? Um, John Stafford's one? Yeah, Stafford threw a pick. That was their first drive, right? Yeah. Um. <laughs> Right in the red zone. Yeah, they were or their second second drive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, oh yeah, so that's right. They had marched all the way down the field, um, and then uh, Stafford tried to force one into Cup, and basically uh, didn't get it. But they did. That was the first. They they did move the ball on that drive. Um, then they came right back, and they had that uh, ninety-seven yard drive that basically took up the entire <laughs> second quarter um so that's why it was really impressive that san francisco was able to score off of that um but it, it was gonna be like i felt like i was i wouldn't have to really watch this game until the second half it was good it, you know it was like gonna be one of those defensive battles um like oh god grind clock like you know typical shanahan and uh I was telling Matt it was gonna come down to a, a Jimmy G uh, pick, man. I, t- I or or like a, a turnover. I will say literally... you did. You texted me at I, the beginning of the fourth him. quarter. Yeah, so yeah. <laughs> I will give you your flowers there. Yeah, that was pretty funny. Yeah, that end of the um, end of the third quarter into the fourth quarter, I said it's like Matt. This is the time when Jimmy G is gonna throw his pick and cost him the game and that'll end his time in, in, uh, in San Francisco. And so, I mean, like, I don't hate Jimmy G or anything, but it's just like, it just seems like it was that like type of moment that was going to happen. Um, and all his picks, at least in this postseason, the big ones, the Dallas one, he had one in green Bay too. Um, it's always, he's, it's like he he has such a hard time throwing on the run with accuracy at least i don't know if it's because his motion is so, such a like priest you know like he has to be in in a rhythm to throw the ball but it's always when he's rolling out to the right and he tries to make a play and like it just doesn't work out for him and he should have had one picked earlier by jalen ramsey because jalen ramsey came in and undercut the route he Jalen Ramsey broke off from his defender, undercut the route, hit him right in his arm, and kind of dropped it. Um, but I mean, regardless, yeah. So Rams ended up coming out on top. Um, kind of staged a, a big fourth quarter comeback. They were down 10. Um, but that's exactly what you want to see, right? Out of Matt Stafford. Uh, that's why you went out and paid for him and got him. Um and I think that that fourth quarter really solidified, um, I think, to his teammates and just the team, you know, ownership, the front office in general, that, hey, it was worth it going out, uh, you know, spending all the picks and the money to go get him. Um, because, I mean, I've always been a pretty decent Stafford fan. Like, I always thought he was kind of underrated, too. 
So it, it's just nice to see him get his flowers and and Odell, by the way. He, Odell had a had a pretty big game himself. Obviously, Cooper Cup was a stud in this one, um, you know, to be expected. But Odell probably had his best game in recent memory. Um, nine catches for 113 yards. He made some big, big time catches, too. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I, I kind of felt like the Rams had this one um in the bag almost and uh they did enough at the end of the game and you know their defense held up so um yeah I don't, not too much to say about the rest of that one but i mean i'll give i'll start with the rams i guess since they won but i i mean i wasn't i wasn't too sold on stafford um even in this game, honestly, because there's one play that would have changed the whole narrative oh, yeah. of yeah, this this that. whole season for both teams, for possibly both quarterbacks, you know, and that was, you know, that dropped interception by uh, Jaquiski Tart. Mm-hmm. So obviously Matthew Stafford and the Rams, they're an offense, you know, Stafford's trying to throw a deep ball to, I think it was Odell. Mm-hmm. In double coverage, he totally underthrows it. It's just like, Twisky Tart is just waiting under the ball. It, it was weird though, yeah, because he he like is, threw it, and yeah, Cup disaster after was, that. Yeah, yeah, Cup was on one side, and then Odell was on the other side, and Tart was in the middle of two of them, and he threw it in the middle. Like, I, don't I mean, know. it was it was actually a good coverage by the Niners, right? So you had the safety help and then the two DBs were guarding their respective man. So yeah. It was literally, as soon as I dropped, he dropped it. I was like, Oh, this game's over. Yeah. It's over. And then the very next play, what like big play to cup. And then cup. Yeah. you get Odell plus the 15 yard penalty mm-hmm. with the targeting. So, I mean, Stafford, I mean, give him credit. Um, obviously after that, second chance he got he did show up and he made the big time throws but you know i don't i mean he got he got bailed out i will say (laughs) um but i mean yeah i also thought like sean mcveigh he kind of got bailed out as well too i don't think he did a great job coaching (laughs) (laughs) he i mean they had no they were losing right in the fourth quarter they had no no timeouts Mm -hmm. And that's why I think that inter- that dropped interception by Tart was it was it makes it worse because they had no timeouts because you catch that ball you're at what maybe the forty yard line so yeah. close to midfield yeah. probably had room to literally, run literally and now you know you're up you know you can get into your game and try to establish you know Elijah Mitchell and try to get Debo Samuel going yeah and you can actually end the game by literally just running out the clock because they mm-hmm. had no timeouts. So it's just, you know, that's how the game switches so quickly, right? You know, but I guess we'll kind of go to, you know, the other side for me and uh, starting with Jimmy G. This is almost like, to me, this 49ers game was almost like the Super Bowl against the Chiefs, right? They're up in the fourth. Yeah. And then Jimmy G has this horrendous, you know, quarter. It's just like the defense blows the lead, yeah. right? I mean, it was kind of like watching the Super Bowl again for them. But, you know, I mean, I don't think Jimmy G is the 
you know, he's not no Brady or Aaron Rodgers. But I don't, I don't think he's honestly he's that bad as people grill him. I don't him think to he's be. that bad. He it's really just, isn't. He just yeah, it's just it seems like those that one moment it's just like yeah. right in his grasp and he just can't quite like grasp it almost. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, so if you look, I'm looking at the box score right now. So Jimmy G's QBR for that this game was 71, which is pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty That's good. It's not bad. And everyone was flaming him. Oh, he did terrible. Like, you know, he's he's not that good. And then you go to Stafford's stats. You know, everyone's thinking, wow, Stafford, you know, he played, you know, awesome. Like he one of the best games he ever played. His QBR was 61.9. <laughs> yeah. So I don't think like you know, yes, people are seeing as Stafford played super well, but you know, there's there's a lot of things in the game that happen, you know, or didn't happen, I guess. Um, you know, that needs to be considered. So I'm not gonna flame Jimmy on this. I honestly thought he played well enough to win the game. Um, and even on that interception that he threw, the one, you know, to end the game. And yeah, his career yeah, yeah. It's as a Niner. His fault. I don't even think it was his fault because he's trying to make a play yeah. on third and they're already backed up. So I mean, you don't want to take a sack at that point. So I'm not going to get too, too, uh, too critical on him there. But I also want to point out, um, I think one of the reasons why the Niners struggled in this game uh, is they couldn't run the ball. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there was no run game for them. And I guess this this goes in credit to the Rams and the defensive line, you know, Donald, Miller, yeah. Floyd. I mean, Jimmy G threw 30 passes. So that's that's how you want to beat them, right? Put the ball in Jimmy's hands. But, I mean, yeah. I mean, I don't know why the 49ers couldn't run today. I wish they could have did this, you know, two games ago. This would have been nice, but... Well, yeah, you ain't got I mean, Aaron Donald on the Dallas Cowboys, <laughs> bud. Sorry about it. Yeah, well, I got somebody possibly better in the future. Yeah, Number okay. 11 from Do heaven, as Skip, as Skip Bayless says. Do not compare Michael Parsons to Aaron Donald, Matt. <laughs> Come on. All right. That's ludicrous. That's blasphemy, as Stephen A would say. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think it, I was expecting a defensive battle going into this one anyway. Um yeah, Matt Stafford didn't really win the game. He did enough. Um, but it's going to be an interesting Super Bowl, I think. Um, I Right now, I obviously, I like the Bengals' offense more, but I think the Rams have been there. The defense have, has been there. Aaron Donald kind of fired them up uh, when they needed it, and they blanked them pretty much for that fourth quarter um, or – uh, I mean, they, they scored once in the second half. Um, but other than that, it was, yeah, they couldn't get anything going. And I think it's going to be the the battle in the trenches, uh, Cincinnati's offensive line versus uh, the Rams uh, four. And it's going to be on Zach Taylor and Joe Burrow, I think, to out-scheme uh, that pass rush because it's going to be hard to run on. So you're going to have to kind of become like Brady and just hit the dinks and dunks and take your five, six yards when you can. So, um, but we'll get into that, that uh, Super Bowl talk next week. We'll go more in depth into that. Um, yeah. But yeah, Rams, Niners or Rams, Bengals, who would have thought? Um, 
All right. Well, getting into GOAT talk now. Um, so Tom Brady did officially retire today after, you know, all the speculation this weekend. Uh, people coming out, you know, like guys like Schefter saying, oh, he, Tom Brady is retiring. He's retiring. Then his team comes back and says, wait, they haven't talked to the Bucks yet. It's not official. He's still thinking about it. Everyone was kind of wondering what was going to happen. Um, but he did end up making the decision to retire. Um, not, you know, kind of unselfishly not taking away from like an entire regular season. Um, he's not going to have any tour, I guess, but kind of surreal. It, I mean, it, it's one of those things to me, it's not going to seem real until next football season starts. And I don't see Tom Brady on the field because literally he's been playing football for as long as we've been alive or almost as long as we've been alive. So he played 22 seasons. We turned 24 this year. That so this dude has been around like I have no football memory that Tom Brady is not a part of or Tom Brady wasn't in the league at the time. Um, but let's let's just run over, you know, obviously he's I would imagine I would hope is going to be a unanimous Hall of Famer, <laughs> a unanimous first ballot ballot Hall of Famer uh, just running through some of these records uh, provided by cbssports.com. So he has the most combined touchdown passes. I'm guessing that means regular and postseason uh, with 710. Most combined passing yards, uh, the most game-winning drives, the most fourth-quarter comebacks, uh, and is also the oldest player to win the MVP at 40 years old. Um and this is just an insane stat. Like when you think about like the NFL and how hard, like if you're a real football fan and you like truly understand, you might not understand all the X's and O's, but if you understand the nuances of the game of football and how there's 11 men versus 11 men at, at any, on every given play, it's so hard to win um, because the competition level is so high in the NFL and it's supposed to be even, right? Um, so the fact that Tom Brady has seven Super Bowl rings, which is, I mean, is it's like more, is it more than any other franchise? Um, yeah, more than any other franchise, yeah. Yeah, so what, so imagine how hard it is for a franchise to win one Super Bowl. The fact that one man has seven Super Bowl rings uh, is kind of like an insane combination of talent, luck, and hard work. Um, obviously, like, you don't win seven Super Bowls without getting lucky, uh, you know, some sometimes here and there. But he's been to 10 Super Bowls itself, and, he, you know, he won. So he wants, you know, 70% of the Super Bowls he's been in. Uh, that's just crazy to me. Uh, five Super Bowl MVPs, like we said, 10 Super Bowl appearances, and then six game-winning drives in those seven uh, Super Bowls. And even the three that he lost, I mean, 
he was one one drive away basically uh one he lost all those games by one score right so um he was in all of them and uh just got to salute the goat Matt. so i know he was one of your favorite players so why don't you uh give me your or i guess the the impact that that tom had on on you and your life i mean yeah kind of what you touched on earlier right <laughs> you played 22 seasons we're 23 right now <laughs> i don't think we remember football when we were born no. like literally born so he's basically been around you know our entire life in the nfl so it's kind of real um or surreal i should say um but today when he officially made his announcement so today is you know for those of you that listen later on this this is february 1st um you know over the weekend uh, we got that report you know from i think it was Schefter and Dar- Dar- Darlington or something, the other guy. Um, you know, they obviously broke out and they said, you know, Brady's going to retire. And then, you know, a couple of hours later, you know, the Brady camp and then his inner circle comes out and says, you know, yeah, he didn't make a decision yet. So I'm kind of upset, you know, at the fact that it didn't come from him first, meaning Tom. You know, I, I, when Schefter broke that, I, I mean, I was texting you and I was like, whoa, like that hit me. Like, yeah, he's actually gone. And then I see all these reports like, wait, he didn't say anything yet. Like, oh, what the heck? Like, I'm like, I didn't yeah, even kinda, know what to think at that point. Like was and then today, today when Tom, Tom, you know, you know, he publicly says, like, you know, this is it for me. You know, it just didn't have that, that feeling that I wanted it to have. Yeah. You know, and, you know this kind of goes to like Adam Schefter and all these reporters. It's like, I mean, you got to have some respect and like, come on, like you got to let him speak what he needs to say. And like, yes, at the end of the day, you were right. But I think Tom Brady and his close inner circle deserves the right to break that news. Not coming from you. You have no business, you know, speaking that for him. And I'm I'm more upset at them for kind of ruining that moment for me. Because, you know, kind of going back to your question. Almost like a spoiler, like in a movie. You know yeah, I mean? like, you know. <laughs> it's like yeah. you watch it's like you watch, you know, Spider-Man and someone tells you, Oh, you there's uh, three Spider-Man in the movie. Like <laughs> like and then you go watch the movie. It's not the same. Yeah, it's it, it was it's like a spoiler. It felt it's like, like that. Yeah, it's, it's like, like somebody telling you, "Oh, Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire's in in No Way Home," <laughs> and then you go watch it and it's like, "Oh, yeah, it's cool," but it's like, eh, I would have been a little more like, "Oh, nostalgic." About yeah, it. like it would have been one of those. That probably would have been one of those like, "Where were you?" moments. You know, we were talking about yeah. Kobe last week, right? Yeah, this one like Tom Brady's retirement. Would it would have been huge, um, but yeah, I just oh, I was just handle because like that's just the media nowadays, right? Like they just want to be first. They want to be first to report it. They want to be first to the breaking news, and it's like uh, with something like this, like especially Tom Brady, who's like become like so many different, you know, like 
the young kid and kind of the villain-ish role and then the deflate gate and then he's getting old but he's still winning and now he's just widely respected as the goat um it's like yeah you got you want to see him get a little more respect i definitely understand what you're saying there um yeah i guess but like kind of going back to your original question and the impact so i mean i don't know if you know this but at least for me like the sports that i watch are obviously baseball, football, and basketball. So for me, there's four players, you know, within those three sports that are like, that's that's like my like childhood or like life, basically. Wait, baseball, it's a mix. Wait, let me, let right. me guess, let me guess, let me guess. All right. Can you tell me which one is the two player, which sport has the two players in though? It's uh, baseball is the two players. Okay, so baseball. I'll give you a hint. It's, it's a two yankees <laughs> jeter and rivera no what oh. it's jeter jeter is oh, one no, of them. no cano 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 yes <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah 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 i i know i knew that yeah jeter yeah. can oh yeah jeter cano brady and what tim i don't know no no bron bron <laughs> yeah yeah bron <laughs> so it's those those four athletes are like they're like my favorite athletes of all time cano is a little different cuz he's like he inspired me as like where I want to play, how I like to play the game, like that flashy, smooth second baseman. But you know, but in terms of maybe like the the deeper nostalgia of loving the game, definitely Derek Jeter was one. Tom Brady is for me football and LeBron. So this I was hoping it was gonna be like a Derek Jeter kind of feeling because you know he was the guy that you know, the face of baseball, at least for me. And that's kind of the impact that Tom has on me. Like, you know, he's all, he's my favorite player of all time. And that includes every single player that, you know, was on the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. And, you know, obviously we didn't grow up in the era, you know, with the triplets and Starbuck. So I didn't get to see them play. But watching Brady play, and he wasn't even on my team, the fact that he was my favorite player just shows like how much respect I had for him and just like the awe that I was in every time he, he played. So it's more about seeing my childhood just like evaporate slowly. And I think the one that's that's gonna hit hard too is when LeBron retires. Oh yeah. <laughs> That's like Jeter and Brady are now they're gone. I mean, Cano, he's coming to the end, but he kind of ruined his career with his old PEDs. Yeah. But I think LeBron, he's on deck and you know his time will eventually come. So yeah. it just when Brady retires, it felt like my like football childhood just like evaporated. Yeah. Yeah, you're definitely not alone there. Um, I'm sure there's many many you know mid to late 20s uh football fans that have felt the same way they they might it might affect them even more you know like if they're a little older than us they've seen football it's you know it's always been brady brady's always been there for them too um my perspective on tom's a little bit different because growing up i was a colts fan right Peyton Manning was my favorite. Yeah, the Manning side. So I was Team the Manning, Manning side. Yeah, and so <laughs> Team Brady for me. I absolutely hated Tom Brady. 
because <laughs> it seemed like he just always had Peyton's number, you know, in their head to head and in, in the playoffs too. Like, um, yeah, Tom always seemed to, it just, it just made me so angry. Cause I always thought like growing up, like I truly, truly believed in, you know, in both of their, I guess, well, it's kind of hard to say Tom when Tom's real prime uh, kind of was, but during Peyton's, you know, Colts prime, Denver prime, like I really thought, I truly believed that Peyton was like the better quarterback and Tom just always had the better team, the better coach, the better defense. Uh, so I was, it all, he just made me so mad that he was branded kind of as the winner, right? Like Tom is the winner. Peyton's kind of the regular season stats whatever you know guy but tom's the winner and i was like man like no football is like a team sport like if if peyton had belichick or if peyton had you know those great new england defenses uh i guarantee you he'd have more than like two super bowl rings um i at least i think so i i can make that i i would live i would die on that hill um and i still will to this day uh, because when Peyton finally did have a top-ranked defense, that defense carried him uh, to his last Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah, that Denver team. So, but yeah, it there there just came a point. It's just like, um, for me, it was the first time I ever cheered for Tom Brady was when they were playing Seattle uh, in the Super Bowl the year after Seattle absolutely destroyed Peyton and the Broncos. Um, probably yeah. the worst the biggest blowout in recent Super Bowl history uh, anyway. And so that was the game. I'm like, man, you can't let like the Seahawks get two in a row like this. Cause I just hated how, how much they embarrassed Peyton the year before. So that was the yeah. first time I ever cheered for Tom Brady. And <laughs> I mean, that was the, obviously one of the craziest Super Bowls of all time. One of the greatest plays in Super Bowl history, right? Malcolm Butler uh, picks off, you know, Russell Wilson. Uh, but yeah, after that, um, actually, it was really after the Atlanta game. I was still cheering for Atlanta. The tw- and then he pulled off the 28 to 3 comeback, and it would, there was just no more argument for me anymore. Uh, the hate was gone and the respect was there. It was just like, you can like be a hater or you can hate all you want, but if you call yourself a true, like, just sports fan, you, you, you recognize and appreciate greatness, you know, um, that's a big debate, right? Like we talk about with basketball, kind of the Kobe, LeBron, MJ thing. It's like, yeah, you can, you can always die on your hill and, you know, see which, uh, which argument you think is more prominent, but yeah, just recognizing greatness. Um, I just, I just came to a point where it was just respect and, uh, there's just really nothing else. I just couldn't hate him anymore. I just couldn't because of all everything he's done. Um, and he's such a winner too. So yeah. Um, we'll just say from there. Um, do you have a favorite memory, Matt, a favorite or moment, a favorite Brady moment, I guess. I do. Well, I have a lot. <laughs> okay, we'll pick but one. I'll, I'll say the well. I'll answer your question second. But my like first 
that I can like at least remember clearly that I was like genuinely cheering for Birdie was the year that they had Randy Moss and they went to the Super Bowl. Perfect regular season, but they're 18 and 0 at that time. One game well, away the, from I wanted the Giants. To I win wanted so bad. Oh, I wanted the Patriots to win so bad because <laughs> why would I want the Giants to win? Like yeah. literally, my division rivals, Eli Manning. Like, like screw this guy. Like, I'm gonna cheer for the goat, you know. And oh, God, that was that was a heartbreaker. But you know, that was like my first. But my probably favorite memory. It wasn't the the Seattle Super Bowl. It was the it was the Atlanta Super Bowl, and yeah. I'll I'll give you because we were watching it together. We were watching it, <laughs> and I remember I clearly remember this. It was literally the whole house. We we're at um, whose house is that? Chris Bates. Bates. House. Yeah, we we're at his house, and In all America. of us. I remember everyone was cheering for the Falcons, mm-hmm. and then everyone's getting hyped, like oh yeah, like you know twenty eight to three, like oh yeah. You know, oh, they had Patriots score. Oh, it's like 28 to 9. And then I remember um, Alicia, she told me this. And literally, this is the downfall after this. She was like, oh, like, Matt, you should just stop, like, stop cheering already. Like, you know, like, it, I think it's over already. And I was like, you know, you better watch those words because there's a lot of game left. And this man, don't ever count this man out. And yeah, I think but Alicia I, doesn't know shit about. But football. I just I remember I but I remember that so clearly because after that, Matt Ryan got stripped the by strip. Hightower. He got oh. strip sacked, and then I was like, "Here we go!" And then he goes down the field. They score. They get the two, and then you know, we all know the rest. And then there's you. It was like, oh yeah, like, you know, Matt Ryan, he's the MVP. Like, you know, he needs to win. I'm like, no, hell, like, hell no. <laughs> like, this is Brady's time. He's gonna pass Montana. And then we were like kind of dueling it out at that point. And then yeah, it was so nice I, to be right at the end of the game. Because I love Julio too. Julio Jones was like is like that was in his my, prime. Yeah, he's like yeah. my favorite receiver. Prime, he's like prime that Julio. Just because he doesn't talk, he's not flashy, he's not a diva. Like he yep. puts his his head down, he goes to work, and he's like just he's like it was like he's Megatron, like not 2.0, but like you know, he wasn't quite Calvin, but he was probably like Calvin's 1A, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why I was, and I was just like, man, like if he gets a ring and then you know Matt Ryan will get a ring and Tom Brady will lose, it's like yeah, it was like the perfect package. <laughs> And I honestly thought when after the pick six, the game was over because um, I thought that that just drained everything out of New England. And Tom was like, he tried to chase them down, too. Right. And he like <laughs> swiped at the leg and he wasn't even close. I was like, oh, it's so nice to just see him like come up short. And then Atlanta, Atlanta. And yeah, he ended up with. um his ring so i was just oh, are you kidding me um i guess we on that note we have to salute the goat yeah yeah i'll so i'll give him yeah I'll salute thanks tom, tom for I'll all the him. all the money you've won me and all these super bowl bets i don't know what i'm gonna do now <laughs> you just gotta bet on the coin flip now uh, on, well i mean if my team can actually step up now that you know <laughs> Make it a lot easier for me. <laughs> oh, 
But I mean, we can kind of transition though. So where do the bucks go from here? I mean, hard to, to stay at this level, you know, when you lose the goat, obviously. So where do they go from here with quarterback? I mean, they have what Kyle Trask and Blaine Gabbert on the roster. Well, I think this is eerily similar to the Toronto situation when Toronto, or sorry, uh, the Raptors, uh, when the Raptors traded for Kawhi, right? They kind of went all in on the short-term goal uh, with strictly, we're going to go all in and we're just going to try to win a championship right now. And I mean, to their credit, it paid off. Um, You know, they got one. Um, They were probably a couple plays away from winning two um i think because i think i think they beat um they beat the niners if they play the niners and i think uh tom brady in the super bowl is just not a fun matchup so um but yeah good question it's gonna be an interesting offseason we'll definitely get into more in depth of all these offseason talks uh once the season is officially over and uh, free agency kicks off, uh, we'll we'll be heavily invested into uh, the free agency. But yeah, good question. I mean, you figure you know they still have a lot of talent, um, you know, around them. I think Godwin though is a free agent. He's gonna be a big. He's gonna get paid obviously somewhere. Um, Gronk's question future is now in question i would imagine he's going to retire yeah i would imagine gronk is going to retire I, I can't see him playing anywhere else without tom um so a couple big losses but i mean the defense is still pretty solid they're there's all they were all pretty young so they're all still kind of under contract vita vea just signed a big contract as well so that defense is still going to be pretty tough um i think they might maybe just be in that win now kind of mode, maybe go after a potential big free agent, Um, you know, like Rogers and Wilson, we don't know what their futures are going to hold. Oh God. If I mean, Rogers just say this, like he's not going to go to Tampa Bay. There's no way. If he went to Tampa and he wears number 12, you know how like awkward (laughs) that is. (laughs) Yeah. No, no, I don't think he's going to Tampa Bay. Um, but I don't think they, I don't think Tampa Bay is necessarily need to go into a rebuild. Uh, you know, I, they still got some players around them. So, um, yeah, we'll have to see. I think they should go after someone though. Uh, maybe who knows, maybe Jimmy. That's what I was going to say. I think he fits kind of good in that. Yeah. It's kind of that same role. Um, obviously the leadership is, I mean, is there a better leader in NFL, you know, history than Tom Brady really? Um, but yeah, I mean, kind of they're, they are similar. That's why the Patriots drafted him, right. They kept him around for so long. He was supposed to be the, the heir to the throne. So uh, maybe he will have his chance uh, down in Tampa. I could see that. Honestly, I could see that happening. Um, it could at least be a playoff team, I think especially in that division with no Sean Payton, who knows what's going on in Carolina, Atlanta is Atlanta. <laughs> uh, yeah, that the NFC South is about to take a very drastic uh, turn, I think. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll have to keep an eye on that. Um, 
just to wrap up our football talk, uh, there were some headlines in the news today. Uh, So Brian Flores is suing the NFL and three other teams. Um, The Dolphins, Broncos, and Giants uh, alleging discrimination regarding his interview process with Denver and New York and his firing last month by Miami. This is by... Uh, Marcel Louis Jacques, uh, he's an ESPN reporter. So I'm just saying, you know, got to give your your uh, in your bibliography, right? Uh, your sources. So uh, yeah, uh, I guess this if this is true, this is crazy. So apparently, Stephen Ross, the owner of the Miami Dolphins, allegedly offered Brian Flores a hundred thousand dollars. Uh, as an incentive for every loss they had that season. So this is the tank for Tua season, right? Um, Uh, I didn't know that. Yeah, so because 2019, yeah, Tua was the 2020 draft. Um, So apparently this is when literally it was tank, when tank for Tua was going on, you know, before, this is obviously before Joe Burrow had the year Joe Burrow had um prior to that college football season right and um so yeah he was incentivized to lose games and when they started to win uh Stephen Ross allegedly got mad that they were compromising their draft status so this thing is just the beginning of the snowball I'm sure uh this is gonna turn to a huge investigation um, and kind of unfair to Brian Flores if all these allegations are true, um, kind of getting snuffed out of the Denver and New York job as well. Um, if it's just, I mean, if it's because of race, that's just ludicrous to me at this point. How are you going to be like losing franchises? Well, not or recently losing franchises and not willing to take someone like because of the race, if these, you know, these accusations are true, that's just ridiculous to me. Um, like they're already greedy, right? Like, so what isn't money? Don't you don't all you care about is money, right? Why do you like, ah, this, ah it's just frustrating if true too. Um, you also see that there's a leaked text messages from Belichick. Do you see that? Yeah. So basically what happened there was uh, Belichick texted Brian Flores, you know, congratulations on the Giants job, uh, assuming that he was going to be the head coach. Uh, This was before, obviously, Brian Dayball was named head coach. So Belichick texts Flores and then Flores responds, oh, no, my interview is on Thursday. (laughs) And then. There's a you know exchange and it's like oh like you know did you mean to text uh dayball instead and then Bill's like oh yeah like I effed up on this one sorry about that <laughs> and I was like oh. but that's like isn't that evidence though it's like yeah. they hired they hired him hired Brian Dayball before Brian Brian Flores got an interview mm-hmm. I mean he didn't even get a chance to speak you know nope. and say what he had to say so nope he did not. There, it's gonna get. I think it's gonna get ugly, and you know, there's gonna be more stories. They're gonna be leaked, kind of like you know the like what you shared with the Dolphins, and then also Belichick's you know conversation 
you know, there's going to be a lot more of that. So I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure it's going to get ugly real fast. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I still think Brian Flores is a good coach. Um, kind of screwed over to if those reports were true, but I mean, he got them to, to win somehow, right. Uh, <laughs> through all that turmoil. Um, but yeah, that, he won that it story, fits magic. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So that story is going to develop. Um, all right. Well, that's enough football talk. Uh, we'll just wrap up, wrap it up here with some, some basketball talk. So first to the NBA, um, the all-star starters were announced recently. Uh, I would say nine out of the 10 starters that were announced are not big surprises, <laughs> but there's one pretty controversial starter out in the West. Um, so Andrew Wiggins of the Golden State Warriors was named to his first all-star selection. And not only that, but he is one of the five starters uh, out in the West this year, uh, along with Steph, Ja, uh, Jokic, and uh, who's the... LeBron. LeBron, yeah, LeBron, of course. <laughs> Sorry. Uh <laughs> Um, but yeah, so I still don't really know, like, was it a, was it really a fan vote that just overpowered it? Or, I mean, he's averaging 18 and four, uh, this year. It's, I mean, it's not great numbers. Um, I've seen CJ put up 22, 23 and not even get selected, uh, as a reserve for you know all these years so it's kind of frustrating to see this happening i mean but granted maybe it is just kind of an injury riddled year for the west paul george Kawhi is out um anthony davis is out a long time uh you know but i don't know i would still i would still rather have draymond as a starter um honestly because i would i would I would also say I think Rudy Gobert deserves some love. I mean, he's been playing pretty good this year. I know he's been injured, you know, the past couple of weeks, but yeah, he was balling out before yeah. he got hurt. Or, or does no he COVID? No, 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 he's hurt. He's hurt. Yeah, but like, does Book not qualify? Is he only a guard? He's a guard. Uh, I guess that's tough. See, um, I think. Do you think they should change like? the way they format the starters, like just the top, top the best five, five, right? I mean, there is, it's basically positionless basketball anyway right now, right? So, yeah, because how Book is playing, that dude deserves to be an all-star starter too. So, yeah, um, it's just Steph and Jar on insane levels right now. Um, But yeah, I don't know. I don't like Andrew Wiggins as as an all-star starter. I mean, come on, man. What are we doing? I mean, it You're probably won't happen the... next year, so we'll let, yeah. we'll let him take his, okay, his shine. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm sure he's been working hard and whatever, but you're telling me he's one of the top 10 players, one of the top five players in the West, really? Andrew Wiggins? Yeah, okay, come on. Uh, yeah, they need to clean up this stupid voting system. Whatever. Uh, I don't need to talk about this anymore. We'll, we'll move on to the more impressive basketball stuff. Uh, at the collegiate level, the at first the collegiate place team. level. I can't believe we're talking about the UH basketball 
program. So like we discussed last week, right? They were tied for first uh, in the Big West. And, you know, they had an important week of conference games. So they won Thursday's game pretty convincingly. I watched that game. Um, you know, like you were saying on the last pod, the defense, our defense is actually like really good. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I was watching them. We just have so much length on the court uh, for, you know, with our starting five. Um between like because even uh what's his name madu he handles the madu. Point. yeah he, he's the he point basically guard runs the point but he's like what like six seven or something like that um like he's pretty he's six tall six too. yeah so basically yeah, or six six yeah he, he's a tall point guard especially at the collegiate level uh mm-hmm. they have uh kamaka playing he, it's like he guards like the two or three guard on the other team and he's like six nine himself so there's like there's just a lot of length on the floor, um, and it seems like a lot of synergy uh, with the bigs. Um, but yeah, so you were at the game, right, Matt? This at the Santa Barbara game. So uh, that was crazy. Why don't they you give di- us the rundown of that one? Because since you were there, in yeah. Person. So it didn't really start out pretty. Um, it was actually probably the worst start I've ever seen. They were down 19 to two <laughs> and then 23 to four. Yeah. And I'm like, what is going on? Like, literally, like you guys are playing for first and you guys come out like this. But I mean, give them credit. I, mean, I will say this though. When UH plays at home, they won't necessarily go undefeated, but they always kind of get back in the game, no matter how, how much they're down. Like, they'll make that kind of push to get back, get the crowd back in the game. And, you know, they more than did that, you know, this game. They, you know, the first half, you know, down by 19, you know, there was no panic. You know, they're just slowly, methodically, you see it, you know, it goes to 15. Five minutes later, it's down to, like, you know, 11. And then at the half, you know, they cut it to, you know, I think it stayed at 11. So I was like, okay, like, you know, from 19 to 11, at least they're in the game. And then the second half is when, you know, they just went, they went crazy. And that's when they started making shots too. So, you know, I think this is how basketball is right now. If you make more threes than the other team, you're probably going to win the game. And they came out in the second half. They were, they were pretty unconscious from the three-point line. And, you know, the guy that really was the catalyst and separated them was Kamaka Hepa. Um, I personally, I can't stand him. <laughs> like he, he tried, he's 6'10 and he plays small against all these college guys. So I, I expect a little more physicality out of him, but I think, you know, as I watch him play a little more, the type of player he is, he's really not, you know, he's not going to post you up and bang in the paint. He's kind of, you know, a catch and shoot, you know, 6'10", you could say guard almost. But he caught fire in the second half, hit four threes. Um, and that, that was honestly the key because, you know, their main scorer, Coleman, Noah Coleman, didn't have a great game. He was two for 12, kind of a non-factor. Um, but, you know, the thing that makes this team pretty good, at least over the past, what, seven games that they've been on a winning streak is – it seems like every night somebody different is stepping up and taking the lead to score the basketball. You know, I think 
you know, a couple of games ago, it was Bernardo da Silva, who Silva. I have personally, I think he's really good. He's I the like anchor. Him. He's the difference in the mid range too. He has he has that close yeah. to mid range game, and he's he's athletic too. He's an athletic, you know, forward. You know, so he had that big game a couple of nights ago, and then tonight, you know, obviously Hepa had the big, or excuse me, Saturday night, Kamaka Hepa had the big second half. Uh, but Junior Madu was really kind of the catalyst, keeping the game close, you know, initiating the offense. And he, he's got some bounce. I don't know if you're watching uh, the game, but he went up for a, like a, a poster, like over their center. I was like, whoa, like he missed it. And then Heka, uh, Kamaka got the rebound and he made the three. I was like, whoa, like he has some bounce. And, you know, that's the one thing I kind of criticize Ganat you know, in his recruiting is, you know, you got to get athletic. You need athletes on the floor when you play basketball and UH never dunks in the game. If they dunk once, it's like, yes, <laughs> like, you know, we, we got our money's worth, but you know, Bernardo, he's going to try to throw it down. Madu, you know, he's got some force inside. So it's good to see some aggression with these UH players. So I'm, I'm liking what I'm seeing so far. So ho- hopefully they, they can keep it going this week on the road. Um, but I don't know if you heard, but they're getting a lot more televised games now. Let's go. I think this Thursday, this Thursday, they play on ESPNU. And then Ooh. I think maybe two Saturdays from now, they play Cal State Fullerton. And they announced that that's game, that game's going to be on ESPN2. So I was like, what? <laughs> getting the prime time. They got to make Andy Katz's bracket difficult. So yeah. hopefully Riverside's pretty hopefully good though, I think. Yeah, they're they're tough. <laughs> but the one advantage UH has though, um, is there's some kind of restriction with California, like in the basketball games. Like yeah. they can't have full capacity. Yeah. And I think I mentioned this on the last podcast. I was watching uh, Oregon play USC at USC and there was nobody at USC and they're number they're number five at the time in the country. Yeah. So I don't think you'll ever see a top five program or a top five team have no crowd <laughs> by, you know, by choice. So having that basically neutral site advantage on the road, you know, that's huge. And I think they got they definitely got to take advantage of that this year. Yep. So hopefully, well, hopefully they can keep it going. This, is a, big, this is a big statement win though. Down 19 in college too. And they beat they did they beat the defending conference champs from last Mm -hmm. year. So big statement win, right? Big statement win for UH. Let's hope they can keep that rolling. All right. Well, let's just wrap it up here, Matt. Why don't you give us our uh this day in sports history fact? Do you have one for today? I do, I do. So in honor of February 1st, uh, which we are podcasting today. Uh, this kind of plays out perfectly to, you know, the GOAT of the National Football League, Tom Brady, or as Skip Bayless likes to say, Thomas Edward Patrick Brady Jr. <laughs> that's literally how I learned. That's literally how I learned his full name. <laughs> yeah, I know. But way back when on this date in 2004, Super Bowl 38. The Patriots beat the Panthers way back when for Brady's second Super Bowl. So this one, you know, we were kind of young, 
just kind of boring really yeah um but all. brady yeah he he was the super bowl mvp on this one and this was another vintage you know set up a game-winning drive or game-winning kick for you know arguably the greatest kicker in the nfl adam venateri kind of hits that walk-off kick you know and then now we fast forward 10 years later from that one you know he wins super bowl 49 against the seahawks and that was his fourth super bowl win so this is kind of a big date for Tom. So I don't know if it was a coincidence that he announced his retirement today. I mean, he no won way, two, man. He won two rings. He just on wanted this, to ring in the state. Chinese New Year with, uh, <laughs> with some with some news, you know. Maybe he's a he's a tiger. I don't know. I <laughs> know <laughs> yeah. he's the lion, is according to his hype video. But yep, this is a anniversary for Tom with his two rings and we're never going to ever see him again. So <laughs> that's crazy. Uh, a sad he's, day, but a, a happy day too. to celebrate. He still could have played. I think he had like two, two or three years left. Easily. Like physically. He wasn't like Peyton, at least like Peyton was, you know, he, he could kind of see his decline broke down though. Yeah. That's why I was so sad, but yeah. But Tom, but Tom keeps, he keeps in shape, keep going, man. man. He could if he wanted to. It's Giselle. Giselle needs him in the house. Yeah. But hey, he's he's gonna be happy um no matter what he does. So salute Tom. We salute you. Um, but yeah, so without further ado, yeah, that'll pretty much wrap up this week's episode. Um for those of you that have made it to the end, we'll kind of give you a preview of next week. So we'll be having uh, our special guest. I will argue our most loyal day one listener. I'm not too sure who else, you know, we don't have the, we don't get the names of and stuff of viewers, but I know for a fact, one of our most loyal uh, listeners uh, will be joining us next week. Uh, I don't know, Matt, if you want to say it already, but uh, she we'll give will the, be on. We'll give the big surprise when it happens. <laughs> okay, we'll, well, build, yeah, we'll build up the excitement here. All right. <laughs> yeah, they'll be on next week to talk about their favorite team. So uh, it's going to be Seattle, right? It's going to be a kind of Seattle-ish podcast rundown. So any Seattle fans out there that you want to share next week's podcast with uh feel free to go and do that and uh we'll get more into our super bowl breakdown kind of in-depth stuff uh we'll really get into the uh give our picks and stuff and and uh kind of break that one down but um yeah so that'll be next week uh and thank you guys for listening um thank you tom and We will see all you guys next week.